Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. That song is a special song because it reminds us that our thankfulness to the Lord, our gratitude to the Lord, is an important characteristic of what it means to be the people of God. Our thanksgiving to the Lord, oh friends, is in light of what God has done for us through Jesus, His Son. This morning, as we prepare our hearts to hear from God, I am thankful. I am thankful for many things. In, in reminding and in, in reflecting on the uniqueness of this weekend, uh, especially of yesterday's event, I reflected in particular on one other reason why I'm grateful as a pastor. I'm grateful as a pastor because one of God's sheep who has been a part of this church for 45 years has completed her journey and has completed it well. 45 years. There are some here among us who don't have even that in terms of age. 45 years in a church, in the same church. Wow. I'm grateful to God. And I pray and hope that those of us who are here now will, will think about the importance of the, of the life of a, of, a, of a follower of Christ that is committed to the life of, of the people of God together, living life together with others in the life of the local church. And seeing that commitment just brings me extra reasons to give thanks to God and to be grateful for God's grace. Friends, as we are working our way through the book of Titus, the book of Titus is a book about the life of the church. So it fits well to have celebrated yesterday uh, uh, the life of a woman who has followed the Lord so well for 45 years in the life of, of, of the church. And this morning as we continue our sermon series through this book, the book of, of Titus, I encourage you, I encourage you to open your scripture to the book of Titus. We'll be reading from chapter 1. We just, for those of you who are for the first time visiting us this morning, um, we are working through a sermon series through this book. We started two weeks ago. Um, we gave an overview of, of the whole book two weeks ago. We gave um, a, a emphasis to last week's introduction, and today we, we plow through and we start to go into what's really the, the, the theme of the letter and the content of the letter. But perhaps for the sake of context, I'd like to start reading with verse 1. Even though our sermon this morning will focus just on verse 5. So let's read Titus chapter 1. I'll start with verse 1 and I'll go all the way to verse 9. Here's the word of the Lord for us this morning. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, 
my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you join me in prayer asking God's help through his spirit to speak to us this morning? Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are with us by your spirit. And as we open your word, as we desire to hear from you, we pray, would you assist us by your spirit? Open our ears, help us hear well, help us to understand and help us to apply. We pray this so that the name of your son, Jesus Christ, might be glorified among us. And we pray this by asking the Holy Spirit to work among us as we hear and as I speak. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I told our, uh, the members of the membership seminar last week when we took the seminar um, that the importance of the church and particularly the, the belonging to the church of membership in the church is so critical and so important biblically that if we understand the importance of belonging to the church, it might change the shape of our Christianity. The church is so important in, in, in the light of God's revelation that understanding both the church and our belonging to the church and our participation in the church is so important that if we had a biblical understanding of that participation, it might change the shape of our Christianity. Titus is a letter written we might say just to one person, to Titus. But it was written so that Titus would pass this truth to the believers on the island of Crete. Two weeks ago, we saw that if we could say, give an overview, a, a, a big theme of the whole book of Titus, we could summarize the whole theme in, this, in these five words. The book of Titus is about sound Doctrine leading to godliness. Sound doctrine leading to godliness. And the life of the church is a display of that godliness. It's a display of the power of the gospel to transform us, to change us. But as we approach and think about what it means to, to live as a church together, to show this sound doctrine, to uphold the sound doctrine leading to godliness. It's amazing and interesting that Paul cared so much about the order 
of that church, about the order in the church. And it's amazing that Paul wrote and started his letter by addressing the theme of who should lead the church. So this morning, as we, we look at these verses, verses 5 through 9, I just want to give you, first of all, a, a heads up. This is just an introduction to, this, to these verses. We will not cover all of them. I want us to understand the importance of church leadership or the importance of, of elders, of those who are called to lead the church. Now, friends, we understand the importance of leadership. Our country right now is, is in, in tumult because of, of realizing that we have to, to select leadership. Leadership is important. It's important not only for our country. It's important not only for our communities, for the city. And it's important not only for our families. It's important for the church. So this morning, I would like for us to see from these verses, and particularly from verse 5, why elders are important for the life of the church. The first reason we see why for the importance of elders, why they are important, is, first of all, to set in order, or to set order the Christian communities, to set in order the church. Look at verse 5. Paul says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. This is why Paul left Titus there, to put into order. What? To put into order what remained. Now the phrase what remained could also be translated as what is lacking. In other words, Paul left Titus to Cre in Crete to put into order what was lacking in these Christian communities. Now I ask you, what was lacking in these Christian communities? What were they lacking? Were they lacking finances? Were they lacking activities? Were they lacking fellowship? Were they lacking space to meet? What were they lacking? The next phrase tells us what they were lacking. Let's look again. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Christian faith, the term elders in this category, when Scripture speaks about church leadership, refers not to age, but refers to leadership. The elders of a church are not the senior adults of the church. They are the leadership of the church, those who are called to lead, to protect, to teach, to admonish in sound doctrine, and to oversee the life of the church. The Bible also calls these shepherds. When Martin Luther translated the Bible for the first time in, in German, he translated this phrase in the following way. He said, I left you in Crete so that you might occupy the cities back and fro with elders. Make sure that every city has elders. In other words, Paul charged Titus to oversee that wherever Christians were gathered, first of all, they should never be solo Christians. They should never be lone ranger Christians just roaming around by themselves. They should congregate. They should gather. They should live in communities together. And, and these communities should have order. They should be order how they live their community together. And a significant part of that order involved 
being sure that they had leadership, elders. Notice something else in verse 5 that Paul says that Titus should appoint elders in every town. He says, as I directed you, or as I commanded you. In other words, this was not the first time Paul spoke to Titus about elders, about the protection that elders bring to the congregation. Paul spoke to Titus before about this matter, and now he is writing again. And what's interesting, if you were just to look at this letter from beginning to the end, as Paul begins this letter, as he says, here's who's writing, here's to who is writing, the first thing after the introduction, the first thing he actually addresses in this letter is the theme of elders. Because they are important for the life of the church, for the order of the church. For Paul, the issue of church oversight was a very important matter. It is as if Paul is saying to Titus, listen, Titus, before I say anything in this letter, before I go on to other things in this letter, I want to make sure you understand, and I remind you now in writing, that you're put there to set up elders. Our friends, for Titus, the issue of church leadership and elders in particular was not a secondary matter. Friend, I wonder if you think of elders as being important for the life of the church. Sometimes I ask Christians, I meet with them in person, um, if those who might be coming from other places or those who uh, live in other cities or go to church in other places, I would often ask them, uh, after I find out if they are Christians, um, I would ask them, so where do you go to church? And most of the time, they're able to tell me where they go to church. And typically, I follow up with another question. What is the name of your pastor? I want to make sure they know. I want to make sure they, they, they've been to church since that church installed their last pastor. You know what I mean? I want to make sure their membership is not just a name on a roster. I want to make sure they know who their spiritual leaders are. Because it's important. It's important for Christians to know that they're not supposed to live this Christian life alone. They're supposed to have other Christians among them. And they're supposed to have spiritual leaders over them that God puts over them. And these members should know them, at least the name, if not more than that. Friends, I wonder if we as Christians, we give much importance about understanding who the church leaders are and how they're supposed to lead. Perhaps you think you're just a new Christian or perhaps you think you don't have much experience to, to Christianity and to the life of the church, and you think, I just want to leave that stuff to the, to the older Christians, to those who are more experienced. I don't want to think about church governance. I don't want to think about church leadership. Perhaps you think you don't want to waste your time with that. You might think, I want to be about evangelism. I want to be about, about discipleship. I want to be about helping people. I don't want to think about church governance. Friends, first of all, it's true that we should all be about evangelism. We should all be about discipleship. We should all be about helping one another, loving one another. But friends, while we do all that, we cannot dispense and we cannot think 
that church leadership is an insignificant issue about which we should not care or not have convictions about. The fact that Paul addressed the issue of elders as a first issue in this letter to Titus, and this letter was for all Christians in the island of Crete, speaks about the importance that Paul had when he thought of the issue of church leadership. Paul spoke about it. Paul wrote about it. When Paul visited churches back, when he would visit back the churches he had just planted, the thing he would do on his way back to, to visit them the second time, he would be sure that these churches had elders installed. So Paul's practice was that it was imperative that the church would be clear about who is called to maintain, direct, and nurture, and protect the church. I... Uh, I love what Alistair Begg, one of the pastors uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, said about this topic. He said, It is not an exaggeration to say that a church's structure of government, in other words, how a church organizes itself, largely will indicate how serious the church is about obeying the Bible. And at the same time, how well it understands the nature of the church itself. Let me read that again. It is not an exaggeration to say that a church's structure of government largely will indicate how serious the church is about obeying the Bible and at the same time how well it understands the nature of church itself. And he goes on to say what I found to be a, a, a funny illustration, sad but funny. Some people think about a discussion of church government to be as interesting as a discussion about the color of the pews or as important as a discussion about the colors of the pews. Yellow, brown, green doesn't make a big difference. Many people, sadly, think about this structure of church governance, who leads a church, how the church is to be led, with the same degree of importance, sadly. Friends, after the first century, as the church grew, we find in the history of the church new ideas that started creeping in about the leadership of the church. As a matter of fact, the church started to introduce new ideas of how to organize itself and men started changing and adding structures to church governance to suit their own desires or to suit their own needs in a way that they were no longer sticking with what Scripture said. And as the church structure and leadership structure changed, corruption and diversion from the truth also followed. So much so that when the Reformers discovered the truth of the Bible and started reading the Bible in their own language. Well, first of all, they started reading it in original, and then they translated so people could actually understand what it says. When the Reformers made available the language of the Bible to the people, one of the doctrines that they recovered was not simply the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It was also the doctrine of church leadership. In particular they struggled 
to understand that the church could never reform itself to go back to the Bible if the church government did not also reform itself. You can't have a church that reforms itself back to Scripture without a church structure and church leadership that reforms back to Scripture. Friends, tomorrow is October 31st. Don't think about Halloween. For Christians, October 31st marks the day when Martin Luther penned the 95 sentences, the 95 protests, the 95 theses on the door of the church in Wittenberg. And tomorrow, in particular, marks the 499th year since Martin Luther had made that protest against the Church of Rome. The Reformers brought back our attention to Scripture. And when they helped us go back to Scripture, they not only discovered sound doctrine, they also discovered the sound leadership of the church. In order for the church, and particularly for the, for the church, to, to grow in obedience to God, it is important that those who lead are clearly understood how they are to lead, who they are to lead, and how this church is supposed to move forward in order. Elders are important for the order of the church. A second reason why we see the importance of elders is that in, in how they are described. Notice in the text, Paul refers to elders by using several other titles. In verse 7, he speaks of them as an overseer or overseers.